On today's episode, Wistia reminds us of the most important aspect to brand affinity. Pipedrive and Zoho Desk launch an integration, plus Drift's David Cancel and HubSpot's Katie Burke get real on culture. All this and more today on Recur Now. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it is Tuesday, October 15th. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. First up, your daily subscription digest. Abigail Kiso Hopkins, co-founder of That Clean Life, personalized nutrition software, started a tweet storm after she caught up with the replay of Wistia's Change the Channel, re-bringing to light this idea of brand affinity. Yeah, and if you remember, a few weeks back, we actually covered the Change the Channel event, a live broadcast by the Wistia team, during which their co-founder shared what they've learned about building brands, their marketing predictions, and what Wistia's dropping in the space, and what they're really honing in on here, connection. The undying value of brand affinity and creating content to connect. Great brands that you might be familiar with, you know, MailChimp, Netflix, Peloton, they're all now being built on brand affinity. They spend time with their audience through original content to connect. Arguably the best highlight, building brand affinity is essentially building relationships, and this takes time. This approach is not a growth hack. And we can attest, of course, it's not a hack. It's a ton of work. And attaining that affinity is the exact reason we launched an entire network, the Recur Network, of shows specifically for our industry, focused on finding the truth about this space. Now, this can be done for any respective industry. But what's the hesitation here? Well, as Jay Akunzo of Marketing Showrunners points out, two of the biggest offenders are number one, boring content, and two, budget. But if you're setting out to find the truth, creating sophisticated content that your audience wants to inform, educate, entertain, you can make this happen. If you're concrete in your advice and actionable in your asks, your audience will want to come back. As for budget, well, here at ProfitWell, we can relate because our team isn't huge. We work tirelessly to get this content out every single day. So if you hire a group, even a small one that's dedicated enough and with the right skill set, you don't need an army to get this done. Too often, content creation falls by the wayside, yet its importance, especially with the growing value for brand affinity, spans miles. And you know we're all about that life creating sophisticated content that our audience wants to inform, educate, entertain, and all of the above. So check out Abigail's tweet storm and the Wistia Change the Channel event replay, which we'll link in your subscriber newsletter, and let us know your thoughts on the brand affinity madness. We want to hear from you. Now, if you ever feel that distance between your sales and support teams, listen up. Pipedrive and Zoho Desk are launching an integration to better bridge the gap between sales and support. So apparently, Zoho Desk, what we know as the context-aware customer service software, and Pipedrive, the CRM designed by salespeople, are partnering to give better context to support tickets and help your support team to get them well faster. So with this integration, we're seeing a couple of cool items and here's the breakdown. First up, you can bring information like your name, email, and phone number from Pipedrive into Zoho Desk. Next, if there are sales deals associated with a given contact, the information will be made available to you. You can also view a number of deals, deal sizes, and other notes left by sales rep within Zoho Desk. You can also view a record of past activity a contact has engaged in and create and manage contacts 
contacts from your Zoho Desk account. Newer contacts will be synced with your Pipedrive account automatically. Okay, so why is all of this useful? Well, this is an integration that will affect a lot of users, in turn creating happier customers. So with more context comes better support. So this one, it seems like a no-brainer. All right, Abby, back to you. Our man David Cancel over at Drift has a newsletter he calls The One Thing, which he used to send to his internal team every Sunday, but now he's letting us in on the insight from the mind of a five-time founder, two-time CEO. Not a big deal. This week, he talks about the idea of hiring for cultural fit. The problem with hiring for cultural fit, DC says, is that people tend to just hire other people who look and sound just like them. And he reminds us that culture is not static. He says the key to hiring the right people is recognizing the behaviors you celebrate and those you just tolerate. I believe the tolerate part is most important, he writes, especially early on in a company. Because even if someone is an A-plus player, if they don't have the qualities you celebrate, then it's not not worth hiring them. They won't work in the culture and they won't add value. It's dire to be made up of people who look, sound, and think differently. But he reminds us we also want people who embody the things we celebrate, like bias for action, an obsession with our customers, and the desire to be a curious learning machine. So the next time you're interviewing a candidate, ask yourself, does this person represent what we celebrate? And take it from Katie Burke, chief people officer over at HubSpot, who agrees. Embracing the skeptics is often what helps your operation get that leg up that other totally like-minded groups of people don't have the chance to do. Blockbuster was hundreds of times bigger than we were. Hundreds. We listened to an earnings call one time, and somebody asked when the analyst asked John Antioca, the head of Blockbuster, what do you think of Netflix? And he said... They are a gnat. They are no one, they're nothing, no one will ever do this. People love video stores. For more on this, peep your subscriber newsletter. We'll have resources from some of the best in the culture business. Plus, how to sign up for DC's Weekly Insight Drop. And that's a wrap on your October 15th subscription news. We know happy customers in turn mean positive customer reviews, right? But are reviews an overrated initiative in the space? Our team debates the value of customer reviews in this segment of Overrated Underrated. We're joined by some of the ProfitWell crew in this segment of Overrated Underrated. Today we've got Andrew Gear, Ian Black, Neil Desai, and Gina Aginson, along with myself, to weigh in. But, but what do you think about customer reviews? Overrated or underrated? Underrated. The only reason why I think customer reviews are overrated is because it can prevent people from actually trying it themselves. Like my girlfriend, for example, will refuse to go to a restaurant if it has less than four stars. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, let's, let's try it out. Maybe nope. they've just gotten a bad rap. Maybe they haven't been around for very long, but nope. No, Under because four you have stars to, not happening. You so have to qualify how many reviews. Five five reviews total and five stars, not helpful. Don't trust it. That mm -hmm. could all be your family. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you they had a really good experience. Like, like, 6,000 at 2.5? You know what you're getting into, and when the food comes out cold, you only have yourself to blame. It's hard to know what's really truthful these days. I have a hard time trusting customer reviews. Have you read all of it? Like, Yelp's a good example about how people can just spew a bunch of BS. Like, oh, the waiter looked at me wrong. One star. Doesn't say anything about the food or, the, or your own experience. Yes. Isn't there an issue about Yelp, like paying or like um, threatening businesses if they don't use Yelp to give them bad reviews? 
What? I've heard that really? as well. Yeah. I've Is heard that, that rumor. Are you starting a I've rumor heard it right from now? A, a small business owner who said that they were like, don't go on Yelp, don't follow Yelp because they call you all the time and they say if you don't use Yelp or use that, that Yelp sticker in the window or whatever, then they threaten you with the bad reviews. So I've been more weary, but I am guilty of the Do four you think stars. I'm actually just saying like you won't have visibility and control into your reviews and a small business owner interprets that as a threat when in reality, right, it's the messaging Potentially. of like, hey, we give you much more transparency. Potentially, I should check my source. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're starting rumors. <laughs> I think I think a B2B use case might be a little bit better. Like G2 crowd yeah. might have more valid opinions on the whole versus like B2C with just, you know, all the different opinions out there. They're going to vary extremely wildly and it doesn't really reflect I think like the true value proposition of the product or the yeah brand. but like you don't trust the-, the stars alone sorry Neil I just think about like read through them do a quick I also in all fairness it took me a month and a half to buy a pair of down mittens <laughs> because I read too many reviews so like I am a terrible example of doing this um, and the analysis paralysis but read the reviews to see if there are any trends right you're buying a new app or you're buying a new software for your business or you're buying something B2C. See if there are trends in the reviews of the fact that like, oh, the stitching is just pretty consistently faulty across 50 reviews. Yeah, I think at least for B2B, you see the rise of like G2 Crowd, Captera, a lot of these other services being a platform for helping companies buy software. Uh, But it's also hard to really trust the authenticity so on incentives. Amazon, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but they actually, there's a little attachment you can put on. Fake extension. Spot. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it actually tells yes. you, it'll give you a grade of the reviews. So if you see all great mm-hmm. ones, but it's an F, you go, okay, probably not going to trust it. Yeah. And so I don't know, it goes into all the algorithms or anything, but that helps, you know, kind of figure out what's going on there. I know that's always been helpful for me at least. That's but, cool. Yeah. But that's definitely more B2C. Are any of you guys reviewers? I review when I get paid. Mm. How often are you getting paid or some for sort of incentive? Are you soliciting what? these? Oh yeah, no. I've, like G two Crowd offers me Amazon gift cards all the time to review software that I use. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. yeah. I don't know how you and, got into that panel, but I'm very jealous. And uh, how does that how does that work? Like, are they is, does G two Crowd get your name as a user of the software and they reach out to you? Yeah. So it's a combination of them saying, "Hey, we think you use this, or we think you use one of these." Like. If you leave a review for any one of them, we'll give you like a $25 gift certificate. Hmm. Um, but it's like, it's an agnostic of what your review actually is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as you complete the review, they'll, they'll send you the gift card. Interesting. It's an interesting way to incentivize people. Yeah. I've definitely done one of those before and it was for like a Starbucks gift card. I probably mm. did a review for like 25 minutes and I don't think I ever even received the gift card. Mm. <laughs> like that's such a classic, okay, you'll get it sent to you in a few minutes. And then I forget about it. But at least I did something for the greater good. That's it for your October 15 episode of Recur Now. Remember, if you have news you want to share, send me a note at abby at recurnow.com and we'll see how we can collaborate to spread the word. We feature our neighbors, so we're all in the know. And if you have teammates that aren't on the list, send them to recurnow.com to sign up for their daily subscription intel.